Welcome to Caffeine, Crime and Canines, a podcast brought to you by two girls who love their dogs, love coffee, but most importantly, love true crime. Okay, that sounds better. Yes, it actually does. Oh my God, oh my God. What the actual fuck? <laughs> what a start to our hundred. <laughs> I know. What the hell? Listeners, we've had a lot of audio issues lately and I've just decided we're going to buy mics this week. We're going to sort ourselves out. And Karina, I just found a pink one for you. Oh, my gosh. So, oh, so that's so happening. So, yeah. <laughs> and I can get a black one. So, you know, we'll stick to our, <laughs> our <laughs> colour scheme. Our, <laughs> our colour scheme, yeah. Um, oh, my God. Anyway. Okay. How are you oh, going? <laughs> God, how are you feeling? You've been unwell I'm, all week. Oh, my God. What a week, Karina, honestly. Honestly. Like, so I had that wedding last week, right? And yeah. on the Friday when I was driving Elsie to drop her off with my mother-in-law, she did the biggest moment in the car and I was like, oh, my God, she has gastro. Like, it was huge, right? But it kind of just didn't eventuate, right? She was just kind of sick once and that was it. And my mother-in-law said she was fine that weekend, whatever. And then my monkey, my husband, had his deviated septum surgery on Tuesday. And he what, what is that? Is that um, nose, you said? I think he said Yeah, so, like, it. one of his nostrils was completely closed over. So it never – Oh, wow. He pretty much could only breathe from one side of his nose, and it's been like that his whole life. So what they do is they go in there and they um, – like tunnel out the cartilage and give him a give him a second nostril pretty much so it'll stop him from snoring it'll help with his allergies he'll be able to breathe through his nose because he doesn't breathe through his nose at all like it's like we're gonna like change his life pretty much where has he um, noticed a difference so far or not really he, he said he can feel air going in and out of his nose and he's like it feels so <laughs> weird yeah so like even now like it's still quite blocked up and he's got stitches and stuff but he said he can, he's starting to feel it so um, he's had that on Tuesday, so he's been in a world of pain. And then Thursday afternoon, I got gastro, and I was like, the worst of it was probably Thursday, like it, like afternoon Thursday night, and then Friday I was just like absolutely zonked, like my energy was just gone, and I was so tired. And then Elsie got it on Friday, <sighs> so we had that. And then on Saturday, Elsie's got like she's like lost her voice, so she's got like some fluey thing now as well. Like it's just. Just can't win. That is crazy, honestly. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. You've had it so tough this week. I know people messaging them during the week and you're like, mm. I don't think we're going to be able to catch up. No. And, like, I was feeling okay yesterday, but I just I didn't want to give it to you. Like, I've just, literally just stayed in. Like, I don't want to give it to anyone because it's Yeah. It's really contagious as well. It is so contagious, yeah. So, like, today I've just been, like, cleaning. I'm, like, disinfecting my whole house. At least I feel like you love cleaning. So at least you're like, yeah, I know. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. 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 What about you? What have you been up to this week? Oh my gosh. I don't even know. Honestly, work has just been so busy and I feel like I've just mentally drained. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Um, the weather's crap. Like, I just feel like I've been stomping around angry this week. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I love the cold weather lately. Really? I don't know why. Yeah. Um, I don't know why, but I just, yeah. Yeah, see, no, nah, not loving it. I saw it's going to get a little bit warmer this week, so I was like, thank goodness, like, I'm not yeah. ready for it. But mm. um, I did take Vic for a walk yesterday holding a freaking coffee. How, <laughs> you can, you, can I tell you something? You can't walk a dog and carry a coffee. It's like impossible. Oh, no. 
It is. And it's like they know what, that you've got it. Yes, and they pull <laughs> and I got coffee all over my sleeve. I was so angry. I was like, oh, my God, oh. what the heck's going on? Like there has to be a trick to be yeah. able to drink coffee and walk your dog. I just don't yeah. know it. No. Yeah. So if anyone knows it, you need one of those waist things, you know, waist clippy things for Victor. You know how like people walk their dogs and they're clipped around their waist. Have you seen it? <gasps> no. Maybe I you haven't. need one of them. Yeah. And because then Is it won't it... be my hand. Like I can yeah. have control of my hand. Yeah. 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 Maybe I should check that out. What is it like a yeah. belt? Kind of. I think it's just like a yeah. It just clips around your waist. Like people you know that run they... and stuff use it. Because he pulls so fr- I'm scared he's going to, like, drag me Pull like, you over. Street, yeah. <laughs> oh. But, yeah, no, I should check it out. Um, yeah, that's a good idea. But you, what else? Nothing else with you? No, not really. Um, I do want to talk to you about the Madeleine McCann movements this week. Oh, yes, um, I have no idea. Yeah, tell me. So she, that Julia Wendell was on Dr. Phil this week. Oh, yeah. And... I watched it. There's no, like, really new information, same as what's on TikTok, um, but I feel like I've had a bit of a realisation this week since watching it. Like like I said to you before, like, I do believe that she genuinely is not sure where she's come from and she doesn't know her heritage or I, I truly believe that. But like I also have lied to her, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I also think why the fuck are you on Dr Phil? Like, yeah. come on. Like, if you are that concerned about your heritage, figure it out for yourself. Like, you don't need to go on Dr. Phil. I think that's ridiculous. And I also think Kate and Jerry McCann need to step in now because I just think, like, if I was Kate and Jerry McCann, I would not want it to get to this level where there is someone going on Dr. Phil saying, I think I'm Madeline McCann. Like, they just need to step in, do a test and get on with it. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just, it's too far. Especially if it's not her, you know what I mean? And I am starting to get a little bit sceptical of her because I noticed a few things that she said in the interview. She said that she asked her mum to see pictures of her when she was pregnant with her and her mum wouldn't give them to her. And she also asked to see her birth certificate and her mum wouldn't give that to her. So that's what she's claiming, right? Then later on in the interview, Dr. Phil goes, how old are you? And she says 21 according to the certificate. So I'm like, does she have her birth certificate? Like, I feel like she maybe isn't being 100% truthful, mm. you know? Yeah, because exactly, due to what certificate? Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, very strange. I honestly, since she went off Instagram and that lady, that clairvoyant lady um, said she doesn't have any other accounts, I haven't really, like, looked into it or anything. Yeah, yeah, no. But, so um, I think the update at the moment is that, the Julia Wendell girl has submitted her DNA test to like ancestry.com and she has said that if it comes back that she does have British roots or British British heritage, she will submit her DNA to Scotland Yard to test it against Hayden Jerry. Oh, well, but so why don't they just want to test it straight away or they don't want that's, to put the family through that? I, I assume that's probably the reason why, but I just think why go through all these hoops, why not, why not just fucking test it? Like, I exactly, don't, exactly. I don't get I, it. I don't get it. That is so freaking strange. Yeah. You know what I do have quickly to ask you as well, quick, quickly, um, mm. Lockie, what mm. the heck, who is Britney Spears dancing with half naked? 
Have you seen some of his I know. Oh, and they disappeared. Someone I saw it and I was like, oh my god, I've got to send this to looking and I must have got distracted. And I've gone back to get it and it's gone. And she was literally in a G-string dancing with some random guy. And I got into another really bad TikTok hole of Brittany again. And there is videos and she's holding like a dummy, like a pacifier. And there is in one of those videos where she's dancing with the guy, her teeth are like morphing between gapped and no gap. So I think they're like people claiming that the whole video is edited. What the heck is going on with her? I just don't understand it. What is going on? I'm still sticking to my theory that Britney Spears is dead and this is a body double. And but what what is the end game of this body? I don't know. What is make the end money game? off her. Make money off her. It's so I think shame. they still want to make money off her. And you know what though? Her, the husband, um, Sam, yeah. well, apparently he was seen out without his wedding ring, like which is not that mm. much of a big deal, but still it's strange that she's if she was just dancing with a random, okay. But in her house, She's wearing like a G and the guy's like topless. It's just weird. It's so weird. And I can't, I can never get past the fact that she has said in interviews when she was, you know, a pop star, that she was always a dancer before a singer. Like dancing has always been her thing and she was always a great dancer. So why the fuck can she not dance now? Wouldn't you at least remember some moves from when you were performing on stage? Like that's what I just can't get over. And I have no rhythm, and I honestly think I could dance better than dance that. Dance better than that, I know. Yeah. Oh, so, craziness. Yeah. Crazy, but yeah. Should we get into this episode? Because the audio is just not on our side today, and I feel I like. <laughs> I know everyone's going to be like, oh, we are so sorry as well. But as I said, next week, hopefully, we'll have this issue fixed. So, um, but yes, let's get into this week's case, Lockie. Thieves have stolen the ashes of murdered toddler Deirdre Kennedy from her family's home west of Brisbane. Her mother has described the theft as a nightmare and has made an emotional appeal for their return. Deirdre Kennedy's body was discovered on the roof of a toilet block in Ipswich in 1973. The 16-month-old had been taken from her family home and sexually assaulted before being killed. Yesterday, thieves broke into her mother's home at Laidley, west of Brisbane. They took a laptop, DVDs, and stole the toddler's ashes. I feel like I've lost it twice. I need to have it back. A bracelet, brooch, and the plaque which accompanied the ashes were taken. Of all the things in my home, that's what they took. Why? I just want her home. Friends say the family's already been through enough. I was devastated for Faye. Very. You know, what more can happen? It's just time to let her live life and get on with life and not be persecuted anymore. Police have described the theft as another tragedy for the Kennedys. We'd certainly plea to those people, if they they are aware that they have uh, stolen that particular item, to make any effort they can to return it. Faye Kennedy has actively campaigned to change Queensland's double jeopardy laws. The man accused of killing her daughter, Raymond John Carroll, was twice found guilty over her death but had his convictions quashed on appeal. She's now pleading for the safe return of her daughter's belongings. They're not worth anything to anyone else. They're mine. She's mine. 
Anyone with information is being urged to contact police. Natalie Perhanen, ABC News. Okay, so first things first, welcome to our 100th episode. Woo, finally. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It's flown. So this week's case does not have a lot of information, so I spent all my downtime this week reading a book. <laughs> Your resolution. Yes, I, I can honestly say I cannot remember the last time I read a whole book in one week, even mm. though it's always on my New Year's resolution. So thank you, Alison. Mm-hmm. So the book is called Justice in Jeopardy, The Unsolved Murder of Baby Deidre Kennedy by Debbie Marshall. Mm-hmm. Now, as we were limited with time, I had to buy the ebook, which I absolutely hated reading. Oh, really? I love an ebook. I hated reading it on the screen. I much prefer mm. the paper. I don't know how you do it. I mean, I when I do read, not very regularly, but on my iPad, like on the reading app, you can set it to like kind of feel like paper, like it's not as bright. But like, I just hate clutter in my house, so I don't like to buy books because I'm like, I'm just going to read it once and I'm going to sit in my house. Yeah, fair enough. See, mm. I just, I don't know, I'm just old school. I like to be able to flick it. Like, I don't know, like hold it. Like, I just did not, I, you know what it is? I think because I spend all day looking at a computer screen and yeah. doing like, and then I'm on my phone. I, if I'm going to read, I don't want to be on a screen, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, didn't love that part of it, but the book was really good. Mm. Uh, what a case to cover for our 100. Oh, I'm lucky. <laughs> I do want to warn everyone before we get started. Yeah. This case involves the murder of a baby, so listener discretion is advised. And if you are sensitive to these types of topics, I would advise maybe to give this one a miss because it is horrible. It's full on. And, like, I'm really going to stress it's it's horrendous. And I think if this wasn't requested for our 100th, I probably would have pulled the pin on doing it to be honest because it's so I just I feel like I had anxiety last night thinking about talking about this case for an hour yeah you know like what the it's thing is, full on the, and there's nothing on it so I see it two ways it is like gonna be a very big struggle to talk about this case but at the same time the fact that there's nothing on it I don't mm. like I don't like that it's like it didn't happen you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because this did happen and I feel like that's why it is important to discuss it because this actually freaking happened. Yeah, I you think know? I'm struggling with it the most because similar age to Elsie. Yeah. Small country town. I just, it's, it's there's too many like. Similarities. Um, similarities. Yeah, I think that's why I'm struggling so much with it. But it's also, it's kind of unsolved. So, you know, could just shed light. And a family has gone through this. Like, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? At the same time, like, like a family, an Australian family has actually had to go through this. So, um, yeah, it's, it is going to be a very tough one. One, I think I've told you this before, but one of the toughest cases for me that we've covered was James Bolger, which you yeah. covered. Yeah. Um, and this is totally up there with that. For like research wise, I just struggled, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And but we I, will, sorry, we will warn when we're going to get into pretty, horrible details throughout the episode we will warn every time just in yeah. case and yeah, i've tried and i've tried like I, like we're not going to go fully into details no. like i've tried to keep it pretty just like so you can hear the story but um without you know like the going into a lot of detail but um 
I was going to tell you something and I've forgotten. But no, that's all right. But um, yeah, so let's get started in this week's episode. So Deidre Marie Kennedy was born on the 22nd of November, 1971, to Barry and Faye Kennedy. Kay and Barry were country kids and both grew up in Longreach in Queensland. Faye met Barry when she was just 17 years old on a basketball court and the two hit it off straight away. They had lots in common and both loved sports and the outdoors. The couple married 18 months later after they first met in October 1967. Faye taught Sunday school and Barry was an air conditioning mechanic. They would welcome their first daughter, Stephanie, in 1968 and Deidre a few years later. In 1970, Barry made a career move and joined the RAF, which is the Royal Australian Air Force, as a instrument fitter, sorry. And the family moved to a RAF base in Wagga, which I had to—I had no idea where that it was. Do you know where it is? Mm. Wagga, the Victorian one. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't. Wagga, so, Wagga, Wagga. It, oh, what did I say? Wagga. Wagga. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. Oh, well. yeah, so it's literally just. Outside of that, yeah, Wagga Wagga town. Yeah, yeah. They had returned home to uh, Longreach in November 1971 to give birth to Deidre alone and Barry would not get to meet Deidre for another three weeks as he was unable to leave the base. Which oh, I just thought, sad. yeah, isn't that sad? But I think it's really sweet that Faye went home. Like, obviously, she had like her family there, yeah, for her and stuff. Um, so Stephanie and Deidre were the best of friends, and the sisters were inseparable. The girls would do everything together. So the family were relocated to an Ipswich base in 1972. Ipswich is characterized as a family-friendly town with a rich history. It's located near Queensland and in the book it's described as a big country town that likes to think of itself as a city. That's why it hits close to home for me, like Warnable. Yeah. You know, like that's how I would describe Warnable, but. Like, yeah. So, mm. so have you ever been? I've never been to Ipswich, have you? No, neither have I. Huh? Yeah. So in 1973, Barry had to have surgery on his knee and Faye decided to visit her mother in Longreach with the girls for six weeks while Barry was recovering. She didn't drive much and knew that it would she wouldn't have been able to visit him in the hospital. So in the early morning of Friday, April the 13th, 1973, <laughs> I think it was Friday 13th, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Faye and the girls travelled back to Ipswich by train and were met by Barry, who was still on crutches. Due to Faye's mother's strong superstitious su- superstition, sorry, about Friday the 13th, she preferred they travelled during the early hours of the day rather than during the daylight hours. And can okay. I tell you, like we were having this discussion at work recently about Friday the 13th mm. and I was saying, especially when I was in retail, I knew when it was Friday the 13th, like freaks actually come out. I'm not kidding. <laughs> like, it, I don't think you say a full moon. Oh, you knew when they were out because something yeah. about the Friday the 13th. But you know what's really funny? So we do have a little – so Ringo, who we work with, um, mm. 
he was like, no, that's ridiculous. And I was like, no, I swear it's a thing. So we made like a group chat and um, it's me, Ringo and Sophie, right? And what we do is we log like the freaks we see to see when the next Friday the 13th comes. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Whether there's, do you know what I mean? Like if we see an extra amount of freaks. Anyway, I'm, I'll keep everyone updated when the Friday the 13th does roll around. But um, at this moment we have, I think we've logged maybe three freaks we've seen. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, the family spent majority of the day at home only stepping out to visit the supermarket and a new house that they had been assigned to by Raf. That's cool that they got housing and stuff. Yeah, I think so. And I think that. Like, Faye really wanted to leave the house that they were in. Uh, so, okay. yeah, I think they were pretty excited about moving to a new place. Yep. So that evening the girls were a little more tired than usual but really excited to wear their new pyjamas their grandma had bought them. So Stephanie and Deidre shared a room. Stephanie slept in a bed and Deidre slept in a makeshift bed inside a playpen. Yep. So Faye put Deidre to bed at 7.30 and then Stephanie to bed one hour later. Could I just, I'm not sure if you know, but the house that they're living in at the time, is this within the army base or was it just like in the town? So from my understanding, I think that there's housing, like it's within the town. I don't think it's an actual yeah. base, but it must, like for instance, it's their neighbours. Yeah, and their neighbours, um, I think, were, like, other RAF employees. So, and I feel like a lot of, um, like, when we go into, like, do you know what I mean, like, maybe the surrounding houses and stuff, I think they all worked for RAF. So it must be, like you said, like, they must have certain amount of housing in areas or something like that. So the following morning at dawn, Faye and Barry were awoken by Stephanie. She had woken them up to tell them that Dee Dee was not in her cot. Of course, they searched the whole house, but there was no sign of little uh, Deidre. And she was 17 months old. Yeah. At this time, yeah. So Faye ran to the neighbours for help, as remember, Barry was incapacitated and still on his crutches. Mm, Yeah. And the family didn't have a phone, so they ran there, you know, for help. About the same time at Limestone Park, just 200 metres away, a trotting trainer named Wesley was exercising his horse when he came across a horrid scene. There on the roof of the toilet block in the park lay what he originally thought was a doll, but as he got closer, he could see that it wasn't a doll but a baby girl. That's just horrendous. I know. So screaming for help, he lifted her down to the ground and searched for a pulse. He told the others in the park to go and get a doctor, but it was too late. Deidre had been abducted from her cot sometime during the night and this absolute disgusting, I don't know, excuse for a human being. Yeah, bottom of the barrel. Yeah, had killed her and left her on the roof of the toilet block. Yeah, that's horrible. So it did not take them long to identify Deidre as the Kennedys had informed the station that Deidre was missing. Faye says she knew as the police were approaching her that something was wrong and that something had happened to Deidre, but she wouldn't find out the full extent of it until more than 10 years later. So she didn't know the details. 
very yeah weird. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad like I think that's maybe a good thing yes I think so mm. too like Barry really shielded her I think Barry knew a lot of the details but yeah he definitely shielded her from finding out um some of the stuff we're going to talk about now yeah so this is my warning to everyone this is where things honestly are really effed up so yeah. I don't know if you want to skip forward a few a uh, few minutes or whatever but um, I'm going to go into it now. So Deidre was found dressed in blue women's underwear and elastic step-ins. What are step-ins? So I Googled it. It looks like it's um, like it, it's like a short, like I don't know, it's like a silky short. Does that make sense? Like that women must have worn like on top of their undies. Oh, my God. Do you know what I'm talking about? I feel yeah. like they're old school. I don't think they're really around anymore, but that's when I Googled it, that's what it looked like. Do you know what I mean? That's what they look like to me. Mm. So she had cuts, irregular bruises, and several hemorrhages. Yes, on her <laughs> body. Mm. There was also a bite mark located on her left thigh just above her knee. So Deidre died from asphyxiation and strangulation. There were hairs found at the scene that were gathered for evidence. But other than that, that's that's it. That's everything they had. Yeah. My God. It's it, it is honestly like even to discuss it, it's really hard, you know? Yeah. So the police did everything they could to catch this, what they called deranged pervert. Yeah. The main lead they had was a neighbour of the Kennedys named Nugget had seen someone stealing clothes from his clothesline that evening. And I think this is where the underwear came from, like those blue underwear. Yeah, yeah. Now, he described the culprit as 17 to 18 years old with long blonde hair and a slim build. Now, no suspect photos matched Nugget's description. Yeah. The investigators tracked down all the cars that were seen in that area that night. They looked into all the local pedophiles and people from the local mental institution. They also asked all the males in and around Ipswich to volunteer their fingerprints and door-knocked houses to gather information regarding the male residents that were aged over 12. God. So they did um, like an extensive everything. search, like yeah. everything they could think of. Like even now, can you think about like police just door knocking an area, asking about like, do you know I mean who lives in your house and where they yeah. live and things like that? Yeah. And they obviously asked as well the public just, I mean, if anyone's behaviour changed, if they noticed anyone missing from their household at that night, like they did everything they could. So early on, it seems as though the main suspect was Barry's first cousin, Keith. Keith had visited Barry from Brisbane the day before Faye and the girls had returned home. Now, the reason he was a main suspect is because three years before Deidre's murder, Keith had been – now, I'm I'm guessing he was, like, tried for this incident. So for doing something inappropriate to a little girl in Gladstone – um, maybe I shouldn't go into what he did, but it involves biting. So I guess that was the connection there. And he had been found not guilty on insanity. 
However, the police were able to rule out Keith as his DNA did not match the hairs at the scene. The bite marks also did not match Keith's teeth as Keith had a massive gap in his teeth and there was no evidence of a gap in the bite. His yeah, the family teeth, the teeth Sorry. is like the teeth could solve it almost. Yeah, I think so as well. Mm. Mm. So his family also gave him an airtight alibi. Okay. So I guess that sort of ruled out Keith, you know? Yeah. So after seven months, Deidre's case became cold. There were no new leads and police had no idea if Deidre had been targeted. Like, I think they just didn't know, you know what I mean, what the motive was or was it like yeah. a crime of opportunity? Uh, did they know that Deidre had been away for six weeks? Like, were they waiting for her to get back? There's just so many unanswered questions. Yeah. So the Kennedys had not been in Ipswich for long and were private people who kept to themselves. They also did not know if Deidre had been taken somewhere before she was taken to the park. Mm. Now the Kennedys blamed themselves. Like most nights, they had not locked their doors that evening. That was just like the norm for them. That's how they had grown up. Yeah, so... I honestly, I am not at all saying that it's, do you know what I mean? Like putting blame on them because I can see no. this and it was the 70s. Yeah. Like, like in the 90s, we didn't lock our doors. You know what I mean? And especially yeah. in a small town, like it's even crazier. Like as in that would be even more normal. Yeah. So they did their best to go on and live a normal life. In 1974, the Kennedys welcomed a baby boy they named Derek. Yeah. It would be years before there would be a break in the case. Sometime in 1982, a pervert broke into the women's quarters of the Amberley Air Force Base in the early hours of the morning. The prowler climbed a tree, jumped a fence, and then climbed up a drain pipe, right, to get in. He then made his way down to a young woman's room named Jackie. He stole photos from her room and these photos were from a photo shoot she had done and they were just like in her bedroom. Yeah. He then made his way with these photos down to the laundry room. He arranged the photos in order of, I feel like um, in the book it says of most appealing. So I don't know if that's like most revealing. I don't don't even know. You know what I mean? Like what, I guess it was more the most pleasing to him. Mm Mm-hmm. So along the way, he had also stolen some female underwear, bras, and uniforms. This guy then proceeded to cut out the crotches of the underwear. So he cuts out the crotches. He cuts out the nipple area of the bras Mm. and then goes on to do the same thing with their uniforms. What a freak. Right? This guy then sneaks back out the same way he entered. Hmm. Do you think, yeah. like, you know, he's targeting an adult woman and Deidre was obviously a baby. Like, do you think that that maybe means that it wasn't this guy? Like, I mean, I think, I guess the, the, the stealing of the underwear, I can see how that's a connection. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's underwear or clothing, women's clothing or whatever. But, um. Yeah, it's it's interesting that it is women's clothing. Mm. 
yeah. You know, so I definitely do see how it could, because this base wasn't too far from where Deidre was found. So I, yeah. I can see how that, like, maybe, like, and it, it is a very strange crime. Like, this is weird. Yeah. And the effort this guy went to, you know what I mean? Yeah. To steal this stuff, it, it's strange. So, yeah, I can see the connection. But at the same time, I know what you mean about the women's, mm, that yeah. it's women that he, this guy's into, you know? Yeah. Now, the police happened to be patrolling the area at the time and took down the rego of a car they thought was parked in a random spot. This event led them to Raymond John Carroll, who was later convicted for this crime. Not only was his car at the scene, but his fingerprints were found on the photographs in the laundry room. Now, one of the detectives that had interviewed Raymond was shocked when Raymond told him that in 1973 he lived in Ipswich with his mother and he believed that, like, as he believed that there were similarities between both crimes. Yeah. So alone, this detective began quietly looking into Raymond. Yeah. Raymond's mother only lived a street away from the Kennedys in 1973 and just 500 metres away from where Deidre was found. Oh, my God. Right. Now, Raymond's father was in RAF and the family would move around a lot. So I think that's what I was saying. Again, it must be like another housing area. So it makes sense why they live close together. Yeah. So when Raymond was 15, his father died and Raymond, along with his mother and his four siblings, moved to Quarry Lane in Ipswich. Raymond had been bullied his whole life about his stained, protruding teeth, but this didn't stop him from getting his first girlfriend, Desley. So when Raymond was 17, he broke up with Desley and joined Raph like his father. The course started on the 9th of February, 1973, and finished on the 19th of April, 1973. So I guess mental note those dates for me. It was noted in his documentation that his left tooth was chipped. So obviously, like, when he joined RAF, they did, like, a full examination of everything. So they took down, like, you know, details of his teeth and all that sort of stuff. So Raymond was described as a loner during the course. He didn't really have any friends and he's, like, everyone says that he had black teeth and bad breath. Yuck, I hate bad breath. I know. Breath is funny. <laughs> Breath is gross. It actually is. Oh, my goodness. That's so funny. Uh, but he was immaculate in his, like, appearance, as in his uniform was always ironed and things like that. But, yeah, obviously he just wasn't – he just didn't fit, like, with all the other yeah. people doing the course. So at the time of his arrest in 1982, this was uh, the arrest for the break-in, Raymond was married to his second wife, Jennifer, and the couple had twin girls and a boy together. Raymond also had a daughter with his first wife, Joy. So Joy and Raymond had married in 196, sorry, 1974 when they found out that Joy was pregnant and they divorced a year later. 
So this janky anus has four kids. Yes. Yeah. He has four kids. Now he actually has five. But oh, um, yeah, God. at this time he's got four, right? Okay. So investigators decide to reopen the case and find that a lot of the records from Deidre's case have been lost or ruined by floods. Like all those door knocking files, you know how they went door to door, that's all like been ruined, lost. So they they don't have like, I guess, all the information they would have had back then, which makes it tough investigating. Yeah. They further investigate and eventually charge Raymond with Deidre's abduction and murder. Raymond pleads not guilty to all charges. Mm. Now, the first trial began in February 1985. At the trial, the prosecution uh, poke holes in Raymond's alibi. You see, Raymond claimed that he was at the Edinburgh Air Base at the time graduating and his course dates do support this. The other dates that I was telling you earlier. But police have interviewed students and trainers who remember Raymond was granted compassionate leave and left for family reasons. Mm. There is no record of this. But Raymond is the only person in his class that does not feature in the graduation photo. Mm-hmm. He also did not march in the graduation parade, which he claims is because there were too many graduates and it would have looked untidy. So he claimed Ugh. that he was there for that time, but they just asked him not to march. Maybe it was because of his teeth. Yeah. so Raymond's first wife Joy testified that Raymond wanted to call their daughter Deidre no yeah she also claimed that Raymond abused their daughter there were times he would lock himself in the room with his daughter. Joy could hear Carrie Ann, so that's their daughter, screaming. And Joy would ask him what's wrong with her and he wouldn't answer. Later she claims she found bruises on Carrie Ann's oh, legs. That's disgusting. Isn't it? That's just disgusting. I do want to say, though, obviously as we're going through now, so now apparently Carrie Ann, and her father are very close and she denies obviously she's a little baby so she wouldn't remember but she did not denies that this ever happened how would she know how would she know exactly she yeah she wouldn't and no offense to her no offense to her but you would not remember and he has probably emotionally manipulated that poor girl to make her think that yeah well crazy it's crazy so his family, obviously, all his actual family stand behind his innocence, like that he's innocent. So God. there is who wants not- to who wants to accept that you know someone that is this fucked up. Yeah, and th- that's the thing, right? That I feel like that would be the hardest thing, actually. Not only accepting it, but even if you did do this, you are never gonna tell anyone. Of like, course, anyone. Of course. You yeah. would never tell a soul. No. You know what I mean? Like imagine people finding out that you did this. It's yeah. insane. Mm-hmm. So there is no DNA evidence or fingerprints connecting Raymond to the murder. Dentists have, however, been able to match Raymond's teeth marks to the bite on Deidre. Yeah. 
So multiple dentists, like ortho, what do you call them? Orthodontists. Orthodontists. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's more like the high tech one. I'm just gonna call them dentists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, testified that the bite marks show that the person who bit Deidre had an overbite, yeah. and and so this person was unable to like close their teeth together if that makes sense obviously there'd be like a slight overbite yeah so by the time raymond was arrested he had had work done to his teeth Mm. so dentists went and made a mold of how his teeth would have looked in 1973 yeah and lucky for them uh photos had been taken when he was enlisted in raf yeah so one of the de- dentists believes it's the closest match they have ever seen and other dentists testified that it is unlikely that mark was made by anyone else. Mm, yeah, the teeth. Yeah. It is important to note, though, that all dentists that testified came to conclusions different ways, as in I've got a feeling that, like, you know, some said this is that, like, I don't know, the fifth and the sixth, two, or like the third and the fourth tooth, and the other one said, no, that's the first and the second. So they did, even though they all concluded that it was Raymond's set of teeth, they it was on different basis, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Which I, I think that's a good thing. See, I think it, it doesn't say, if, can I tell you, if teeth is like fingerprints, it's a bad thing. Because if my pointer finger, left a I don't know mark on a water bottle at a crime scene and then one fingerprint person saying that's her pointer finger and the other one saying that's her thumb that does not look that good like it doesn't look rock solid yeah but I guess when you think like they only made that mold based on photos they didn't have the actual teeth set of teeth yeah so it's not like they had yeah yeah it's I mean it's it is interesting um Hmm. now the evidence, all the evidence that was presented at trial was circumstantial. Yeah. But a jury did find Raymond guilty on the abduction and murder of Deidre Kennedy on March 14th, 1985. Yep. Unfortunately, that is not the end of our story today. Ugh. So in November 1985, so what, this is like months later, right? Same year, Raymond appealed his conviction and won. What? The three judges found that although there was enough evidence to show he wasn't at the graduation, like at his graduation, there wasn't enough evidence to prove that he was in Ipswich. Like he could have been anywhere in the world. You know what I mean? They're like saying there's like no one has placed him in Ipswich that weekend. Because he's a loner. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. So they also state that Joy should not have been allowed to testify. Remember, that's his first wife. And that the jury should have had doubts about the dentists. And that's, I think that's because of what I was just saying about how they came to it different ways. Why should Joy not have been allowed to testify? They were married and divorced. They weren't current partners. I think because maybe it's like, is it hearsay? Like maybe it was like, you know what I mean? Like it was sort of because they're divorced. Because yeah, the she divorce is just saying this. Yeah, yeah. But if not, it's like the main, like that is a huge a bit of information. It is. It actually is. Like if it happened, 
And yeah. with the and another thing with the um the another thing that the judges do say in their ruling is that in nineteen seventy three, one of those dentists that testified at trial saying this is definitely Raymond, when he when he did, I don't know, like his um like do you know what I mean when he looks at the teeth in nineteen seventy three, he stated that it would be impossible to match the teeth marks to anyone. Oh, and then he came up and said, it's this guy. Yes. Yeah. So so they're, they're pretty much saying, like, how the heck could he say in 1973 that you'll never be able to match these teeth to, marks to anyone? And can I just tell you, it's more, it's really horrible. In the books, I've actually got a photo of it. It looks like more bruising than um, actual teeth marks, if that makes sense. I think that it wasn't like a hard bite. It was more like a, like, you know what I mean? Like there's not an actual impressions left in her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and w- another thing that the judges state is that there is no evidence suggesting that Raymond had a fetish with like adult clothing on children. So they're pretty much just saying that the jury should have had reasonable doubt and you know this is why and we are overturning his conviction. but there is evidence of him having a fetish of adult clothing and there's evidence of him having a fetish of children maybe well, this was the night that he put those two things together yeah well, maybe i do not a... i do not agree with this i do not yeah. agree with that whole thing i think it's i think that the, obviously the judges are just going by the law you know what i mean like legally oh how he was convicted, I guess, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't show reason, uh, like he could have been convicted on beyond reasonable doubt, if that makes sense. Yeah. The police would not give up that easily, though, on convicting Raymond. In 1999, police arrest Raymond and charge him with perjury. And this is because because his original conviction was squashed, um, double jeopardy is at play here, so they can't yeah. charge him again for the murder. Ugh. Right? Mm. By this time, Faye and Barry's marriage had ended. And it's so freaking sad reading about this because I think that, I mean, they did the best they could to obviously move on and they had, you know, like another baby and life had been okay up until the trial and acquittal. Yeah. It was the acquittal that sounds like sent their marriage, do you know what I mean, sort of like over the edge. Yeah. Barry blamed himself for what had happened to Deidre and had started drinking to cope. He's like, yeah. sounds like he's like one of those old school guys that just doesn't discuss his feelings. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So that's just was his coping mechanism. I feel like most men that age are the same. Yeah, like, 100%. I, I, know, I know people that, you know, are like that. Yeah. Yeah. So by this stage, Raymond had also remarried to a lady named Marilyn after his second marriage ended in 1991. Now, in this second trial, the Crown claimed they had new dental technology, which proves the teeth marks were made by Raymond. The only thing is this technology shows the teeth marks were actually upside down in the first trial, which oh. is confusing, right? Yeah. 
So the results show the top bruise near Deidre's uh, knee is a match with Raymond's lower teeth and the bottom bruise is a match with his top teeth. Better quality prints also show that another bite mark, which is a sort of like a drag mark, um, would have helped the dentists then correctly place the teeth. So they're trying to blame it on the bad quality of the photo is why the dentist stuffed up, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah. So by the time that this trial rolled around, even more evidence had disappeared, including like the hair samples and the clothing she was wearing that morning. I know. They did have a few new testimonies up their sleeves though. A guy that worked for Raph claimed Raymond told him at a club in 1974 that he did it. There was also a jailer house snitch that came forward. He had apparently spoken to Raymond in jail and Raymond admitted he had a fetish for women's clothing. And the night Deidre was murdered, he was out stealing underwear and it all just got too much, like too much out of hand. Um, I think this snitch is saying that, like, he was looking for clothing but he looked through the window and saw Deidre and you know, it was a crime of opportunity pretty much. Yeah. Now, yeah. this snitch claims that he had told a prison officer named Denzel but Denzel had now died. So he's trying to back up, like, what he what he's been told back then because obviously yeah. at the moment it's just, like, why didn't you come forward earlier? Like how random, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Desley. Now remember, Desley was his first girlfriend, the very first one before that he had when he was seventeen, but and he broke yeah. up with when he was leaving. Um, so Desley, remember, is Raymond's first girlfriend. Also testified at this trial, putting Raymond in Ipswich on the night of the murder. Yeah, see, it's just wild. There's so much evidence against this guy. Yeah, so you know what that I honestly think the hardest thing is it's all evidence, but there's nothing like like it's all circumstantial still. It's like there's nothing solid putting him yeah. there. You know, apart mm. from the teeth marks, which at by this stage, like the teeth marks are all over the place. Like it's different if just like a bunch of dentists said this is his teeth, this is why, and that's it. But they say, you know, some say we found it this way, some say we found it that way. Then the second trial, they're like, no, they had it wrong. They're actually upside down. It's mm. so tough to say that this is solid evidence when they keep changing it. Yeah. So a lot of the same evidence was shown in this trial that was shown in the first trial. The defence obviously dis- uh, dispute the evidence using the same arguments they used in the first trial and end up pointing the finger at Barry's cousin, Keith. Remember, that's the guy with the big gap, Um, which everyone, like all the dentists agree this could not have been Keith. Yeah. Something I find heartbreaking is that at this second trial, Barry actually admits that he had heard a noise on the night Deidre was abducted. Yeah. Followed by a few other noises. But he was too tired to get up. And remember, because he was on the crutches. He was on the crutches, yeah. 
which is just, which I guess explains why he found it so tough. Yeah, in the of course. years following, do you know what I mean? Her murder. Yeah, I mean his defense. Like, what was he going to do? He was on crutches. Yeah, like, he's on crutches, and like he said, it's not. This is a safe area, and like, how many times I've woken up during the night and heard noises, and I'm yeah. like, oh, and just yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's really sad. So in November 2000, a jury finds Raymond guilty of perjury and he is sentenced to 12 years. Yeah. This guy again appeals his conviction. Oh, my God. Give it a bone. (laughs) Right. And it would infuriate you to hear he again wins his appeal. This is ridiculous. What well, it's ridiculous because he's being convicted twice by a jury. Like, yeah, even yeah. Faye has said, "What's the point of a jury if the judge is just going to overturn exactly. their findings?" And I agree exactly. with her. Like, th- there has to be like, what is the point of having the jury then? Exactly. Now the judge again finds that there was not enough evidence to prove that he perjured himself, and <sighs> the main points. He discusses, the judge discusses, is that the jailhouse snitch was lying. And I mean, I agree. You can't, that you can't say that that's true or not. Yeah, I, and you know what? I'm, I'm the same. Like, I can't, like, I've got no argument there because, I mean, how many times, do you know what I mean, to get a better. Um, the only thing that this jailhouse snitch, is, like, says is, like, why would I come forward this long after? But at the same time, why don't you come forward then? It's just, like, yeah. you, can't, you can't prove this either way. Yeah. Um, and something, because this jailhouse snitch guy, he says that he was in jail with Raymond for five days, but apparently it was only 24 hours. So there is a little bit of evidence going in Raymond's favour um, with this particular point. Yeah. Uh, the judge also discusses that it, it's pretty much the same evidence as the first trial, as in there's no real new breaking like do you know what I mean like gotcha evidence yeah but I disagree because the dental technology yeah I disagree with that so that is something that that he talks about he talks about like um you know the the teeth marks about how is like about how they came to that conclusion about how what the dentist said in the other and do you know so this this is what is tough I'm quite sure that the dentist that testified in the first trial stick with what that the way they found his teeth positioned and they think it's the technology that's got it wrong so I can see how there's confusion there if the dentists are sticking to their story the people with the technology are sticking to their story how can this one teeth mark like be so unique if they can't even figure up figure out which way he's up. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I guess that's what um, the judge is saying here. Also, the judge claims that the police had to sort of like re-jog Desley's memory about him being, like, is it a memory or is it just something that like, yeah, yeah, convinced her. So that's why he won his, I guess, second appeal and why he's out. And about living as a free man as we speak. Right now, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it just infuriates me. 
The case did eventually reach the high court where five justices looked just looking at the law agreed with the ruling. Okay. So it had like I guess you know what the tough thing is like I can see from a law point of view where they're coming from even though I don't yeah. agree with it if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um like it's just it's ridiculous that like like there was I didn't go into a lot of detail but there one of the hairs that was found on Deidre was like a pubic hair they think it was a pubic mm. hair um but it was ruined like they can't even test that yeah you know what I mean like there's so many things that have happened in this case that really could have put a nail in this guy's coffin if it was him and yeah. it's just, it's gone. Like, do you know what I mean? Into thin air. Like, I don't know how going forward they could actually put this guy away if it's him. Yeah. If, yeah, if they haven't there. done it this time, then it's never going to happen. Yeah. And not only that, but like his fingerprints weren't at the scene. You know what I mean? Like, it's but like, so... did they have a fingerprint and it didn't match his? Exactly. Or they just didn't have fingerprints? No. Well, no, this is a oh, – see, no, I can't – I couldn't even tell you to tell you the truth. I remember reading about it from – it's funny because I feel like in one – I read like a, um in the book that one of the – I don't know if it was the book or the article. I think I've read two separate things. One said that there was a fingerprint that was there that, you know, wasn't a match, that none of his fingerprints were found at the scene. And then somewhere else I read that it was like, do you know what I mean, they couldn't determine if it was a match. So I guess it just depends on what you read. Um, regarding the fingerprints, but you'd think that those fingerprints, but then because there's so much evidence that's been lost, if those fingerprints have been lost, what does that mean for the case? You know what I mean? How frustrating. It is really frustrating. Um, so well, I wanted to ask you a few things. Mm-hmm. One, do you think he did it? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. It's it's funny because in the towards the end of the book, they sort of start discussing just – sort of ulterior suspects is that like yeah like other yeah, suspects okay. really yeah yeah um and they talk about like one of the neighbor's kids because the neighbor's kids sort of match the description of the because and this is the thing so you know that guy that was pinching underwear from the clothesline and that guy nugget saw him from like outside his window yeah. This description does not match Raymond at all. So okay. Nugget says that he saw a, a young, I think he said it was like a, a teenage boy or a young boy um, with longish blonde hair. Uh, and at the time, Raymond had like short black hair. So that description actually doesn't match at all. And I think that comes up in obviously um, the trials and um, on his appeals. But um Something yeah, I found I did find that interesting because there is a little like a little bit of talk about like that the neighbor's kid potentially could have matched that description. And another thing that comes out in the book, which I thought was crazy, right? Because I even when I started looking into this case, I could never understand why on top of the toilet block. Like did, did that did yeah, you question disgusting. this? Yeah. Like I, I don't know why. I just could not stop thinking like why there? It just doesn't yeah. make sense to me, right? And this isn't a- any better what I'm about to tell you, but it makes more sense, right? So apparently years and years later, like I don't even know what year, I didn't write down what year this happened, but there was a guy on his deathbed 
right? Mm-hmm. And he, I don't know if he contacted a policeman. He told someone this, right? And I think they either told the police or he, he told the police guy himself. He's on his deathbed and he confesses that in the early hours of that morning, no one was around. He went to the park for a walk, right? And he could see all these dogs gathered around a bin and they were trying to like, they were like trying to get something out of the bin. And oh when God. he looked in the bin, it like Deidre was in the bin and he was so freaked out. Like he was obviously mortified, sickened everything, but he was scared that if he went to the police, they'd think that it was him. But he oh didn't because he was by himself. So, But he didn't want the dogs to get to her and he wanted someone to find her. So he says while he's dying that he's the one that put her on that roof so the dogs couldn't get to her and that she'd be found. What What do you think about that? Because I kind of, that makes sense to me. That, that, that actually makes sense to me as well. Yeah. It, because I could never understand why, they, like I could never, do you know what I mean? Like why there? Mm. What, it's just so strange. But this makes sense to me. And I think him saying it on his deathbed to me proves that it's genuine because he obviously lived with it. And, you know, it was obviously eating him up inside and he just had to, you know. Get it out. Get it out, yeah. Yeah, like I, I honestly do, like I, I can see this happening. But you know what yeah. the thing is with the bin, like that just sounds so bad. But then it makes me think like that it could be like a kid that did this. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like it changes the story quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Like, I do think that Raymond is the most likely person to have yeah. done this. The fact yeah. that he broke into that women's prison, like the, the underwear thing. like, And you know what's really bizarre? Like, I watched, like, an interview with Raymond. He does, like, a lie detector thing. I don't know if it's on 60 Minutes. He does something. It's on YouTube. Um, I might even put a bit of it up. Yeah. And... When he is talking about this, something that what makes me think, like originally I was like, oh, I'm not sure, not sure, not sure, is he denies that he did that thing at the women's prison and there is ev- there's clear evidence that put his car there and his fingerprints there. Like he couldn't have been, I don't think he's set up for that. I think he 100% did this. And if he won't admit to that, why would he ever admit? Yeah, to this. To, to this, exactly. So yeah. that's – I honestly think that he is the one responsible. I don't think that they will get justice. Um, It'll only ever – he'll only get justice if he confesses Yeah. now because they don't – they're not, never going to have any forensic evidence and, yeah, it's only going to be if he confesses. And, like, I was looking into the double jeopardy law thing. I was going like, to ask you about that, yes. Because, yep. you know, how, like, they say that he can't be convicted twice or whatever. But apparently if it is murder, there is possibility for them to charge him only if there is new evidence. So it would have to be his confession. So he could he could get charged now, but he would have to probably confess. But we're so much more – you know what I think as well? Like, we are so much more advanced – nowadays from yeah. the 70s how can we not have some i guess because everything's lost like imagine they had the full case file on this case 
what they could uncover. They could easily rule him straight in or straight out with the technology we have these days. That's what kills me. That's what kills me the most. Do you know what I mean? Um, And also, which is what you were saying, that double jeopardy law, I'm quite sure one of the reasons it was changed was for Deidre's case. Like that was one of the like pushes to have it changed in 2007. So I think it's amazing that it has been changed. Yes, so if you have a case you want us to cover, send us a message on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at Caffeine Crime Canines. And we're so sorry about the audio this week, guys. Yeah, next week will hopefully be better. next week it'll be better, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and until and next week. Until next week. Bye. Bye.